modern commerce today we are talking about growth hacks which ones suck which ones you should actually do but first a quick word from our sponsors what's up everybody this is john and casey from modcom and i have to show you something all right this tool is called wicked reports it's one of the best attribution tools i've ever seen because of this feature called funnel vision it breaks up your roas into top middle and bottom of funnel so i'm here in my facebook ads account and checking out this campaign v-day sale i'd probably be cutting this thing right if i was looking in ads manager or if i was looking at first touch attribution i'd be like you suck 0.18 roas you're out. Uh, but if I look at it middle funnel, it's like one of the best closers. If I look at it bottom of funnel, it's one of the best closers. So that campaign is closing. I got to keep it running. I got to adjust the targeting in there and I got to adjust the creative in there. You know what I'm saying, Casey? John, if you look at the top campaign here, this four pack lob rolls, uh, you can see actually the exact opposite effect. It's, it's bringing people into the account, into this world really effectively, but it's not that closing type. So you kind of need a little bit of both, right? Like this is Can't the Kobe. Close. One you described as the shack together, they make beautiful harmony in your ad account. Yeah, that one's lobbing it up. The other one's throwing it down. If you want to find out which of your campaigns are Kobe's, which ones are shacks, and which ones you should just cut entirely, don't even give them a roster spot, go to wickedreports.com and click the book a demo button. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Modern Commerce. I am John, and I'm here with my guy, Casey. Casey, how you doing today, buddy? Doing all right, man. Can't complain too much. Just a uh, living dream out here, you know, in this uh, beautiful gray brick, blue <laughs> your, backlit your brick, brick uh, dungeon. Yeah, where you live, you just live there all the time. Yeah. You, sleep, you sleep on the floor. Is the floor gray brick as well? Yeah, it's super cold, but that's okay because it's very refreshing for me. I, you know, yeah. I get a little heated when I'm sleeping. So I think that you know, like some people are into the cold showers thing or like the ice baths. Have you mm -hmm. have you seen this? Are you do you follow the social medias? <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, of course. yeah. You're you're familiar. Yeah, I do. I think you're just bringing it to another level. That's all you're doing. You're like, yeah. oh, you sleep warm though. Pfft. I mean, you really never want your core temperature above like 92 degrees. Yeah, I mean that's just ideal. That's yeah. uh, freezes away all of the. It, it keeps you, you know. younger, longer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, Casey, tell me something uh, that surprised you today. Oh boy, something like that surprised me today. Um, well, I was a little, to be frank with uh, anybody listening, I was I was a little um, surprised by, uh, I was pushing some buttons back here when we started the show, and I was very scared because I thought your audio was not working at all, even though we were talking moments before I, I hit the go live button. I thought your audio just like dropped out of nowhere, but it, it recovered. Uh, to me, it seemed like, like an eternity, but I think it was like a second or two. Uh, so that was, was nice. I caught my breath again. I was like, okay, what feels we don't have like to restart our show again. Yeah, what feels like an eternity when you're podcasting, like, oh, something's not working, and yeah. we're live. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the amount of prep we do, you know, which is at least like five minutes a show. Five to ten some some days. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did do a little bit of prep today. I yeah. looked up some things. I well, I, I these are all things that are sort of in the, like the business ethos or what things? What are we what are we talking about today? Talking about some growth hacks, specifically some famous ones, right? So like a lot of people call out Airbnb. I, I think Airbnb has the most be the most like famous growth hack out there, right? So it's like uh, Airbnb. The story there is uh, when they first started. It's like of course like you know Silicon Valley garage type story. Uh, 
it's these two guys who they just, you know, wanted to make some extra money or lower their rent or whatever. Uh, and so they started renting out their room and they're like, I bet other people want to do this too. We should create like a marketplace. And what they specifically did is they started going to Craigslist and they would put, they would go to Craigslist and find people who are looking for roommates um, or if people were looking for a, whatever, you know, and they would tell them, Hey, you should list it on Airbnb instead, or maybe a, as well as Craigslist. They also just took all the Airbnb listings early on and also put them on Craigslist mostly because Airbnb didn't have any traffic. Um, but Craigslist did. So that got them bootstrapped. That got them making some money. Uh, more or less all they became was like basically these room brokers, these apartment brokers where people would uh, like, you, you know, they would go find you a roommate and then they'd take a cut of the rent that that person paid or something like that. Uh, and it's just like this famous, like, Oh, it's such a cool growth hacky thing they did that everybody holds up. Uh, and I don't know, I kind of want to tear it down or, or just let's see if it holds water because honestly, I, we, the story gets thrown around all the time and I feel like it's one of those things that like, is that really applicable? Like, do you, I mean, that's my question to you. Do you feel like that's like really applicable to like most small, medium business owners or, or let's go more specific with this show is usually about, which is online business owners, e-commerce, physical product sellers, you know, people, agencies that serve online businesses, that kind of thing. Is that truly applicable? Honestly, I want to say, and I don't want to spoil anything you may have prepared for the rest of the episode, because I'm sure you have a little bit of both sides, things that are applicable, things that might not be. Yeah. Uh, but I would say majority of the time, there's like some big disruption, which I would definitely say Airbnb yeah. has been a disruptor. Uh, it, a lot of times people might trick themselves into thinking like, oh, since they did this, we could probably do something kind of similar in our space. But usually... I think that that's exactly what it is. You've convinced yourself that that might be the case, but applicable is not the word I would use. Like in your wildest dreams, maybe there's like a smaller effect doing something sort of similar, yeah. but it's like so many degrees away on like your approach because the circumstances in your, your, your field, your, your vertical or whatever you're focused on that that's going to be different. And the effect is surely not typically going to be, you blow up and be Airbnb, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I, I would say applicable is not the word I would use for sure. I think uh, there's, there is, so Airbnb is what I would call a marketplace business model. Um, but a marketplace is kind of a cousin to like a productized service business model. Uh, productized service being something like, um, I don't know. I actually don't have a great like consulting or, or a, a course. Uh, the courses, info courses are the best examples of productized service. It's somebody who's done something a bunch of times, uh, typically as a service, and they create a course of like, here's how you do it. Um, and that's like a close cousin to just a service business model, right? Mm -hmm. So I get, so, so I, I, if I'm going to say that this example holds water at all for anyone who has an e-commerce business or an online business period, it is that like, okay, sometimes you just got to make money, right? Even if it's not like your real core business model you want to grow. So a great example of this is Modern Commerce, our podcast. What we ultimately want is we want to be, you know, a media property. 
maybe blog website. We want the podcast to be big. And we, that's how we want like most of the money to come in for modern commerce, similar to like how my first million is like my first million is just its own business. Right. Um, but what do we get a lot of from modern commerce? We get people approaching us and saying like, oh, can you help us? Or can we take, you know, pay you for some consulting or think things like that? And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, look, we see that as revenue that modern commerce is making because that's generating that kind of business. Uh, not dissimilar to what Airbnb did, where they essentially just became apartment brokers for a little while. Uh <laughs> using Craigslist, uh, but they also kind of wove Airbnb in there and made people who were looking for apartments, roommates, places to stay while they were traveling, whatever, aware of Airbnb. Uh, and they made, you know, people who are listing that kind of stuff aware of Airbnb. So I don't want to like say there's no credit there at all. I don't want to give it like, you know, hey, it's not just ignore that. But I definitely think it gets held up as this like super smart growth hacky thing when it's like, I'm pretty sure these dudes were just trying to make some money. Like, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I don't think it's that applicable to most e-commerce businesses. I mean, what is it? So, so the big thing about Airbnb is that uh, was a disruptive company. And now the next example is the same way. It's like a very disruptive thing. Like are your t-shirts that you sell or your, you know, skincare products or anything like that are they that disruptive and when i mean that disruptive i mean like nobody's heard of something that does something that your product does right so if you got a skin product that like reduces lines and wrinkles everybody's heard of skin products that do that now your skin product might do that better than anything else I, totally possible but everybody's heard of that kind of product before so it's not like a new thing airbnb it was like a new thing, right? That nobody had heard of before. So something where it's like, oh, we got to meet people where they're at, which is on Craigslist, so that we can tell them about this new thing. It makes a lot of sense. This actually, this might not be a perfect analogy, but this kind of reminds me of people who are very high brand early on with their brands. Yeah. How they'll be like, we want to be the next, you know, Nike or or <laughs> Apple of our space. And I think it's a similar thing, right? It's like, well, Nike and Apple probably could have gone down whatever branding path they wanted to and they would have been successful because right at the end of the day their products are highly desired i mean they could have put like a banana as their logo and they got a, like they you got know those banana really headphones i love those like you know yeah they got some kind of really big win early on like with a product a really big product innovation that was like when i say big i mean it's like there was some marketing behind it but there was a one like the product kind of we just had to get it out there a little bit and it then sort of like took on its own right. thing. Right. And, and and what I mean by this is it's like, you're kind of attributing stuff to the wrong thing. You fall in love with the yes. branding of a big brand and you think like they did branding so well, when in actuality it's probably everything else was driving the business mind and the branding is what you remember. Uh, but they could have gone down any path they wanted to. Same thing maybe with like an Airbnb growth hack. It's not so much that like, Hey, you know what? Airbnb yeah. blew up on Craigslist. We got to get our business on Craigslist and do the same thing. I think, you know, again, not to spoil what we're going to get to, but more realistically, probably you just want to adopt the mindset of like, let's be creative. Let's figure out some ways we can maybe think outside yeah. the box in ways that'll be helpful to us. Highly unlikely, though, that you do something like to that magnitude yeah. and that like kind of it's going to be uh, less simple than just ripping their exact idea, you know? Right. Yeah. I think, uh, no, it, it's it, you nailed it. You hit it on the head. I think um, a lot of times, yeah, like if I were to 
I don't think Apple's actually that good at marketing. I think if you're going to hold up any company's marketing and say, oh, like they're geniuses, they must be so good at marketing. We should, we should be like them at marketing. You shouldn't hold up a company that has crazy innovative products because most likely you don't, most companies don't, you know, most e-commerce brands we deal with, they've got great products, but is it like that innovative where it's like, this is doing something no product's ever done before? Uh, No, usually it's doing something that uh, other products don't do as well. Right. Or something like that. Uh, I would not hold up, you know, I guess Nike, you could say is in that category, but like, I would not hold up Apple. I'd hold up something like liquid death, right? Like they're just selling water, you know, like, and it's all marketing, right? It's just all hype and marketing driven. That's probably a better model to use for like, how should we do really good, big, big marketing? Um, But yeah, honestly, the best marketer at Apple might've been whoever the person was in product development or whatever, who decided to make their product white. I I guess that was, Mm -hmm. was that a Steve Jobs idea? I guess. I don't know. Like, Whatever it was, that, it with it. that's probably the best marketing they ever did. Because, yeah, people be like, yeah. what the heck? Like, it's just different. That? Yeah. Well, I mean, Liquid Death decided to sell water in cans, right? Like, pro- right. product packaging, that is part of it, for sure. It is. It is. But it's not usually the marketers of your business who focus on that. It's not a growth hack. Put, putting that The packaging sure. is not a growth hack, right? Like, that's part of your actual core marketing strategy. Correct. So, right, tell me, John, two. what are... Yeah, I was just going to say, what's another growth hack? Yeah, get, number that? two. This is another one that's like everybody holds up as like this example and this e-commerce people hold this up as an example all the time. And there's whole companies built around like helping you do this. So Dropbox early on, they didn't spend a lot of money on advertising. Um, but everybody says that the way they grew was through this referral system. So they have this like incentivized referral system where if you connect your Twitter early, early on, if you got on a Dropbox, you got whatever, 500 megabytes of, of free storage. I can't remember what the first, what you got at first. Um, but you got some number of megabytes of free storage. Uh, and if you like connected your Twitter, you got like an extra 125 megabytes. If you shared on Twitter, you, you got more. If you shared on Facebook, you got more. Connect, you know, if you ref- actually referred a friend, like somebody signed up, you got like a large amount. Um, so they just had this like kind of incentivized system early on that helped them to grow. Everybody said this, this is how they grew. This was this big growth hack for them. Uh, before I give my opinion on that, I want to kick this to you. Do you, how valid do you think this is for m- most small, medium businesses? Oh, I think you might be muted guy. My apologies. Uh, yep. also had a little snafu that you may have noticed for just the briefest of moments on, uh, on YouTube. I, if you're I didn't watching. say, I didn't say anything cause the audio only people didn't even know. So. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to turn that into an opportunity to tell the audio only people listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify <laughs> or anywhere else to go check us out on YouTube so that you can go see yes. uh, my mishap there real quick on the screen. Uh, no big deal. Moving along to, uh, yeah, Dropbox, your question I like it's different than what I thought you were going to ask. So when you say like, was it a good move for Dropbox? That's one answer. I say, Hey, yeah, it seems like a pretty solid move. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly the effects compared to these other examples we'll have laid out. Uh, how will that turned out for them? But again, is it applicable to most like you said, what small to medium sized e-commerce businesses? Uh, no, it's not really applicable. <laughs> I wouldn't say, or at least like, as long as it doesn't take a ton of resources to launch something like that, sure, fine, go for it. But don't expect it to be that growth lever, probably. But it might be a nice, like, right. supplemental thing. Like, if it's a set it, forget it type of system you can set up 
and you see some returns from it, I think you just call that a win and move on. But don't expect it to be the game changer. Like keep looking for a game changer, I guess, you know? Yeah. I think uh, number one. Just this man's take. Just this man's take. Number one. Was that a good move for Dropbox? Sure. But, but big caveat, big asterisk on this from me that like, like this gets held up as like the way that Dropbox grew. You know what I mean? And it was like, like all the other things are like, oh, they like retain people really well and stuff like retention matters. Sure. But like this gets held up as like, this was the, this is the way, right? Like Dropbox is the Mandalorian and it never takes off its freaking helmet. Like this is the way, this is the only way to grow. Uh, And I am skeptical, like cover me highly skeptical that this had that much impact that like the way they, that the way that Dropbox got valued at whatever their $4 billion or whatever they're valued at was by like offering people these incentives. Like, well, how did the first person get this? Feels like a, this feels like a creationist argument, but like, how did the first person get there? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're not get, trying to have that debate right now, but I'm just saying like that first person, they didn't get one person in there. And now all of a sudden like, Oh, it just grew by itself because of these incentives. Like I, I don't buy that. Wait, um, Dropbox was actually made uh, out of a rib from their like social sharing system. Yeah. Is that what you're telling me? Right. Yeah. So they took one of their developers' rib, created an, <laughs> a user. Right. Uh, anyway, they they. Uh, I I think though that um, the incentivized sharing, incentivized word of mouth marketing is very interesting to me mm-hmm. because now as many e-commerce brands. Uh, and, and we've had, uh, we've had somebody on our show before from group, from group shop, uh, who like their whole thing is incentivized word of mouth marketing. And there's like a whole world of apps, companies, and people who like, they they make this their world. How do we incentivize word of mouth marketing? And I do believe word of mouth marketing is very powerful. It's the most powerful form of marketing but the reason it's the most powerful form of marketing is because it's genuine and typically not incentivized right so once you start incentivizing it i think that either people are influencers and they're trying to make commissions or they're trying to get rewards or whatever it is or people are just not gonna do people who aren't that just aren't gonna do it right like if my my wife is a huge consumer of e-commerce products like if you incentivize her to share something on her Insta or if it, like, she's probably just not going to do it. Um, but she like might tell a friend about it who talks to her about like something that, you know, Oh yeah, you have that problem. Yeah. I use this. It works really well. You know, mm-hmm. like she wouldn't maybe talk about your product, but she's not going to do it in any kind of incentivized way. Cause she's like, I don't want to put it on my Instagram. That's weird. I don't want to put it on my right. Facebook. That's weird. And f- given Facebook and Twitter were used a little bit differently that b- back then for sure. And the algorithms didn't like, you know, that's the other thing is that sharing on socials, like <laughs> incentivizing someone to share on Twitter or Facebook anymore. Like, are you, is it really that helpful? I don't know. Right. I, I mean, you could even, if you're a certain kind of person, you could mark that up as a ding to that. Like, branding type of thing because it could be kind of considered low brand i would say yeah uh, so some of the people we've talked to for for sure um i would i don't remember the word you used there at the beginning um best form of of marketing the word of mouth um i would say it's probably the most effective for sure yeah uh, but it's just so low frequency for yeah. most brands unless you are those nikes or apples or anything like that um because yeah it's like when the right person meets the right time and situation with another person they go oh 
you know what I should tell this person about is this thing that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great. And I think that that take rate to that second person, probably pretty high in those instances. But can you really manipulate the amount of those instances or manipulate the amount of people who are willing to kind of do that? It's hard to affect. Maybe you can, but it's hard to affect. It's not simple. And I think you definitely hit the nail on the head with the incentivization. Uh, you get what you pay for. So if you're, maybe you're not paying money, but in any way that you're incentivizing people, you're giving them something, you're only going to get back kind of what what they feel like they're they're getting. You know, like the, yeah. if they're like, oh, you, you can get a free, you know, $10 thing or whatever. Like, I mean, they're, they're not going to be that person who actually genuinely believes like, Hey, I'm going to tell my friends about this because it'll change their lives. You're going to say, Hey, I want this thing. And that, right. and I, and I, and I want to tell my friends about it, about that bad. Yep. And, and that might not be that bad unless it's like a big thing. Uh, yeah. So I will say this as well. Uh, this is another case of a product that at the time was very innovative. Uh, there was no like centralized file sharing. There was no Google drive right. at this time and stuff like that. So, so highly sticky Dropbox, you know, incredibly effective, incredibly sticky at the time. And the other thing about it is that it was like, it's pretty easy to refer someone who you work with to Dropbox when there's no file sharing system out there that exists, right. period, right? Like, so if they're attributing this like genius idea to the Dropbox growth, it's like, uh, the, the idea fit the, the, the product for sure. Right. Like in, and yeah. the Dropbox marketing crew, you know, whoever that was at the time, they certainly deserve credit for that. Uh, but it's like, you know, if you and I work together, like, you know, would you say I referred you to Slack? You know what I mean? Would you say I referred you to Google drive? Like, no, those are like, that's the tool we use to work together. Right. So Completely. I think that maybe the effect of that, like referral system, might be inflated in that like you a business to if you have a b2c brand a, a physical product brand you're just not going to get that same level of effect from any kind of incentivized sharing um that said i will say if you have what i would call a integrated like content and commerce business as much as i hate to be buzzword e uh it can be helpful so so a great example here is how we grow our sports podcast is we do giveaways, right? So we'll give away an NBA jersey, some NFL tickets, something like that. Uh, and we give people extra entries for following us on show- socials, for commenting on our videos, for watching full episodes of our show, for showing up live, you know, uh, when we're live. So, yeah, and, and people do it. People take a lot of those micro actions. You know, we could probably get people to tell friends about it, uh, you know, for extra entries if we wanted to. Or we could probably get people to tell friends about it, you know, for giveaways or whatever. Um, that's not top of our list. We just want them to follow us everywhere. So I would say if you do have that kind of business model where, you know, let's say maybe you're a merch brand that is built around creators or, you know, something like a black rifle coffee or, or something along that lines where it's like very much like a community niche business. Like we sell coffee, but it's coffee for like these hardcore people. Uh, then, then it might make sense, right. To, to do something where it's like you're incentivizing them to just like become integrated with you everywhere. Right. Like, Hey, get this for following us on, you know, Twitter for their following us on YouTube or for whatever. Right. And, and offering something in exchange for them, just getting involved with you everywhere and having lots of touch points. Now that's not the same as social, uh, sharing or, or, or word of mouth, but I think that then it gets easier to ask for word of mouth, right? Like if you have a video 
like, hey, share this video with a friend. That's a lot easier to ask for than like share our product with a friend. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I feel like this is such a modern commerce tone for this episode. We're kind of taking some like big things and being like, don't actually do this. Like it won't work. <laughs> Where a lot of people kind of like they pedal. The, I don't want to say propaganda, but there's the sexy stuff because maybe not the the brightest minds in marketing now think like these are growth hacks legitimately but some of the the future brightest minds could be thinking that in this moment and i think that's kind of the the role that our show serves when these kinds of ideas feel really romanticized by people who are super getting into putting a lot of time into getting into marketing now uh and just business in general uh, we're trying to help you avoid some potholes of things here because the whole premise of both of the two things we've talked about so far have been don't throw the baby out with the bathwater essentially like yeah <laughs> yes these things worked well for these brands but it was situational completely and let's not forget they had a crazy good product at the end of the day they probably could have done a bunch of stuff that would have worked and maybe had a similar effect to what yeah. they did so yeah for sure so i think we can move on uh Quick word, right? We have one more sponsor to, to feature here. We do. We have a sponsor, and we will be back in 45 seconds after this short break. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Monk Commerce. It's a super slick in-car upsell app. So if I want to buy these New Balance trainers I'm trying to get in shape, I add them to my cart. My cart opens up, and it says, hey, look, you're only $5 away from free shipping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll... I'll add this to my cart since you recommended it. And now I got my free shipping, but hold up. I'm only $38 away from a free gift. So why don't I add a pair of size eight new balance trainers to my cart for my girlfriend? She's got bigger feet than me. And now look at this. It actually automatically added that free gift straight to my cart for me. That will all be there when I check out super nifty app, super slick, super quick way to increase your AOV. Go to monkcommerce.com. Try it free on your store for seven days. There's a growth hack right there. I mean, if we're going to say social sharing is a growth hack or, or incentivize referrals a growth hack, uh, then maybe just increasing your average order values of a growth hack. I don't. I, sometimes I think things get billed as growth hacks that are really just a core part of the marketing strategy. I, I would even say on like a psychological level. I mean, we've had a, a few episodes lately where we go a little bit more into like the psychology of buyers and things like that. And yeah. I would say we've been on this train for a while where like, Maybe maybe it's because of who we are and we appreciate it in our own personal uh, examples, but kind of gamifying any kind of checkout process or just shopping process in general, I think it helps move people to that final end result. So yeah, uh, great spot to have that that little ad in there yeah. from Monk Commerce. Yeah, nice to have sponsors that are actually like super useful for sure. Um, okay, next up, we're gonna talk a about maybe the biggest D to C darling of all time. Who do you think it is? Give me, I'll give you two guesses. D biggest to C D to C darling. darling of all time. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to our audience. Sean. I know who it's, who it is, but okay. I, is the dollar shave club dollar shave club. Yeah. You got to go back in time. And I think that's why I say of all time, they're like the, they're like the Michael Jordan. They're like cemented. Like a lot of people, there's probably yeah. people who've done bigger numbers. Brands have done bigger numbers or whatever. Right. Like the game has like changed cemented. since then. You, well, they're the first ones that use that like funny video approach dollar shave mm -hmm. club was right. So the next growth hack is essentially do something viral and then, you know, create some kind of viral content uh, that that features, shows your brand, sells if it can, and then put some paid dollars behind it and then let it go. Uh, 
So this growth hack, I think is maybe a little more valid for a lot of e-commerce business. However, I will say things could go viral much more easily back in 2012, yeah. 2013, when Dollar Shave Club was hopping onto the scene than they can now. Like it, you know, like it just anything that, uh, it, so first of all, Facebook, like the shareability, the whole functionality of Facebook is built to like get something to go viral, but now things don't really anymore if they're from a business. And also right. uh, the users of Facebook skew a little bit older at this point. Um, right. Instagram doesn't have that virality kind of thing, right? Like you can share a reel on your story and stuff like that. A lot of times people are DMing each other reels on Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, Twitter, it's not as YouTube doesn't have that kind of like virality where like, let me share this with all of my audience on Twitter. You know what I mean? So, uh, I, I do think, or sorry, not Twitter, YouTube. So I do think that like, you know, calm down if your whole thing is like, let's make something viral and then put paid behind it. Like, I think that what you should think is, should we just put paid behind this on its own? Will it help us achieve our business objectives? And if it is really engaging, then oftentimes it will get far lower CPMs. You know, the, the platforms which will show it for the CPM is just essentially the cost to show it, right? Like the platforms will show it for much cheaper, right? You can reach, reach way more people for $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 than you could if it wasn't super highly engaging. Um, mm -hmm. And people will engage with it and, and maybe tag friends and there will be a little bit of virality. Um, but then at the end of the day, then the content also has to achieve your business objective, which for Dollar Shave Club was sales. So that's like a whole other level of it, yeah? Going viral or virality, weird word to say, uh, what does that even exactly mean? What's what's the exact point? How many impressions does it take? At what point are you viral? Yeah, exactly. It's mm -hmm. so wishy-washy anyway. Uh, I think it's kind of a very uh, fuzzy thing to chase if that's yeah. your marketing strategy. Is let's try to make every ad, anything we do, have the potential to go viral. Sounds nice. It kind of even sounds like, hey, what's the harm? Because like, we're yeah. just trying, you know, which... I kind of agree. Like as long as you're not purposely doing things to, just to be like extra provocative for no reason that could upset people. You know, we talked about Facebook and another thing I would say about the Facebook audience that has changed is they get pretty ticked off pretty easy, you know? Yeah. Back to compared to the early days where I think people were just like, man, can you believe this exists? This is crazy. Like internet. Mm -hmm. Wow. What a thing. Uh, now <laughs> it's a whole nother thing. Uh, yeah. So I, I think just to like sum up my thoughts on it, they, there's no harm in trying to make things that you think potentially could go viral as long as you're being smart about it. And as you optimize your ads or whatever you're doing, you should be getting indicators of things that are working or things that people legitimately like to engage with. And how hard is it just to push more resources that way? Or when it comes back yeah. to your next like content creation cycle, kind of skew more towards the things you did there. I mean, I think those are smart, good business practice moves. I don't know that I would label a good growth hack around that as go viral with your marketing with your paid marketing efforts i don't think i would call yeah. that a growth hack for, or create content or... that's likely to go viral right. uh, but it is I, I agree with your original premise that it's like it's a step closer to reality to be yes. a real growth hack that you could learn from compared to the first two so here's my specific direction in in as succinct of a manner as i can say uh that i would give to any smaller medium business e-commerce business that is thinking about how should I create content, you know, that I'm going to put any level of paid dollars behind. First, you should create content that aligns with your business objectives. 
Second, you should create content that aligns with your content strategy. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Dollar Shave's Club, Dollar Shave Club's business objective was to acquire users. Uh, their content strategy was we don't have very much money. So we need to create something that can hopefully have legs of its own, which was a little bit more valid strategy at the time because things could get legs of their own. Uh, we've seen other brands do it too. Chat books is a, a big example as well. Uh, so now I think that what that looks like is if your content strategy is like, you're going to regularly create content that is entertaining. It's, it's entertaining or informative or, you know, inspirational uh, or something like that. And that's like a regular part of your content strategy and your business objective is sales. Well, that's fine. Then create that stuff. And some of it probably will get legs and go a little more viral than other things, you know, and, but all of the content should weave in what your business objective is, which is to get sales or to acquire users, right? Sure. Uh, if your content is just to get, if the whole strategy is just to get eyeballs and get the people to watch you, then you should be completely optimizing for that. And you're not really selling anything. You're just saying, how can I be more entertaining or more educational or more engaging? Right. Um, so, so I think that's it. It's like those kinds of ads really strike that balance well, but they don't get legs on their own as much anymore. So I wouldn't ride or die on it as a strategy. Right. And I would only add, cause I totally agree with that. Those are two great points to remember kind of through the the whole life cycle of a business, no matter where you are in that. Um, I would just add also keep in mind, like who you have is, personnel you know on your team and yep. uh what strengths they might have i would also just in general you know because we're not talking about one particular business and trying to give that business advice in general to all the businesses out there i would say lean into your strengths you know we've talked about the giveaway model that's something we've done for a while so yeah. we are very aware where there might be an opportunity where that could work and help and we have a high confidence score in us executing that Correct. because yep. we, we've seen us do it before uh, and if that was something that we wanted to do, but whoever was doing it was just failing at it, like we could go find somebody else to do that. That would be my fourth point is like, if you find that there's something you want to do, but your team doesn't already have a skill at that, either like develop it or find new people to do that. Um, okay. yeah, don't, don't forget about your actual team too, because people have skills. Right. Uh, so next thing, next growth hack, this is actually one of my favorite ones and it's one I don't know that I have a lot of experience with. So I'm, I'm interested in. I don't want to spend too long just giving theoretical talk, you know, and saying, well, if this or whatever, uh, right. but I just want to throw it out there. So uh, in sometime in the 1970s, I want to say I should have got the year before the episode. Um, Puma paid Pele. So Pele was wearing Pumas in the World Cup. Uh, Puma paid him $120,000 to uh, before the game when they when they thought the camera was likely to be on him to bend down and just lace up his shoes. Okay. So not to say like, check it out, Pumas or be overt, but just to, to kneel down and lace up his shoes. And yeah, it was like right before the game, right before the, whatever happens, the ball drops or something like that. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, he, he kneels down, he laces up his shoes and it was like Puma. Right. And like, no, everybody was wearing Adidas at the time in the seventies, especially in soccer. And, and even in running, right? Like that's when Nike was actually Blue Ribbon Sports was actually like just coming onto the scene was in around, you know, just after 1972 uh, or, or just before 1972 uh, Olympics. So uh, it was all Adidas. It was dominated by Adidas. But yeah, Pele 
kneels down, laces up his Pumas and Puma sales go through the roof, right? It's kind of like a legend of, of marketing, a legend of big event marketing. Um, there's other things out there. Like, I don't know, I think Richard Branson's like bought a tank or something. I, I shouldn't tell a story that I don't really remember. Uh, yeah. Red Bull, Red Bull jumped out of space, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like they skydive, they skydove technically from space or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Another you, you could put uh, Elon Musk shot his uh, Tesla into space, right? Right, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, Vitaly Uncensored is actually like a great example of this. Do you remember? I don't know if you know this. You probably would recognize the picture. I think I have the picture. Um, here, I'll share it really quick. It's a little risque, just a heads up for everybody. I mean, there's nothing super. By know. the way, I got your back on that. It was 1970, the Pele Puma. Ah, uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like World Cup again, another World Cup thing. This chick like kind of ran onto the onto the pitch with like this pretty skimpy swimsuit on that says Vitaly Uncensored. Um, I don't know if you remember it or if like a lot of people have just like, oh, yeah, I've seen that picture um, right. or you've seen some picture of her. Um, mm-hmm. So same thing. Vitaly I'm pretty sure I've even seen a knockoff of that picture, like somebody yeah, recreating like, it. So the dude, so that's uh, Vitaly is the guy's name and he runs this like, you know, adult website. I don't know if it's like, I think it's like an adult humor website. I don't know. I've never Mm -hmm. been there, but uh, that's his girlfriend or was his girlfriend at the time. I don't know if they're still, but then I think he's done the same thing, like specifically in a one piece swimsuit, like it's kind of like a pink one, you know? Um, So yeah, like it's like this big thing, you know, a lot of people are watching and you do this you know, some big gesture, right? I think it's sure. like a big romantic gesture. Like I'm gonna get this girl to like me or whatever. Right. right. When, when my, when my lady back type of big romantic gesture, but for your business, um, thoughts on this, I, Vitalian sensor is probably the best example of like, uh, the kinds of businesses who are listening to our podcast doing something like this. I, I don't want to condone anything like, illegal because yeah. i mean i don't even know what the legal ramifications of something like that is right. you know i mean yeah. I, I assume there could be some legal consequence to like running out onto the field um so i mean oh, yeah. don't do that but i certainly could see how that could improve sales or just traffic onto your site traffic um, yeah. and it does seem like pretty readily available to just about anybody who wants to do something crazy you know um mm-hmm. we can't all launch our teslas into space i guess that, yeah, we can't all buy a example. super bowl commercial we can't right. all we can't all have pele lace up our cleats or whatever uh but yeah i mean i guess if, we're, if we are thinking like super bowl commercial did you see the scientology commercial yeah that the yeah. reveal was like the last two seconds and it was like a minute long it felt like and it's just like a feel good like almost like a ph- pharmaceutical kind of ad or yeah, you're, like, so you're like what is this about but it you're seems like... awesome i'm in and then fade to black and yeah and you go am i into like, scientology <laughs> like i like that entire uh thing i like uh, all of that yeah and then you're like idea. tom cruise wasn't in it once though that's crazy no john travolta <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, i kind of buried the lead there but yeah uh, yeah um anyway I, I think yeah to wrap it i think that's uh these kinds of moves are it's easy to see uh what upside there could be in something like this uh, i think it's also easy to overlook some potential downside like i said like legal issue of running on a field yeah. so just be smart and i wouldn't think that doing something like off the cuff like impromptu is the right move uh i think that's when you particularly could overlook some consequences so i mean as long as something's like planned out um and you're not like uh, you know committing any crimes or anything like whatever and do a flash mob in the you know 
middle of the Boston Marathon or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So, so uh, the the this actually reminds me maybe like a lower scale way to do this is if there's something. I I tend to think that stuff like this is always easier if you're a little niche. It's it's easier for you to execute if you're a little niche because then you can be like, oh, what's like, okay, what's the I'm thing not gonna, for us. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to run out onto the world cup pitch, but like, right. you know, maybe if I sell, uh, you know, uh, sorry, you know, like pickleball stuff, or if I sell sure. like cornhole stuff, like maybe we'll do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think it's a little easier. So a story that comes to mind is Ahrefs, which is like an SEO tool, um, that like gives SEO insights around keywords and around websites and stuff like that. Not a they sponsor. Went yeah, they they're not could be like, a sponsor. They they went to uh, an SEO conference and they had like somehow they got the conference to use their coffee cups or something like that. But like they had the disposable coffee cups and they got them kind of circulated mm-hmm. out into the conference. And on there, I w- I should have grabbed a picture of this. On there, there was like instead of like it looked like an ingredient list or uh, like nutrition like oh this many carbs that many like those nutritional facts yeah nutritional facts it looked like that on the coffee but it would be like uh coffee keyword facts and it would have all this stuff about like the keyword coffee and like um ranking for it and stuff like that and i think they had it maybe for a couple keywords i can't remember the details of the story that's probably more along the lines like what is like a a niche thing or something that is really likely to have you know, my target market there and like, what's a way I could like kind of disrupt that or like catch people's attention with that or like get people talking about like, what is this? You know, like, um, I think that's probably like the better way. Like it's sort of a a small, like a micro PR push, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's good advice. Um, especially like, you know, when it comes to something like the Pele example, you know, just, (laughs) There's yeah. a barrier to entry of that'll cost a certain amount of money. But if you niche that down to yeah. maybe like like an esports kind of thing, like you know, right. competitive gaming, I don't know, maybe not like the top guys, but you could probably get some kind of like competitive gamer to, you know, you could give them your water bottle if you sell water bottles and you're targeting like, you know, Gen Z. Is that who plays good video games nowadays? I don't know. I think so. Uh you could probably get somebody like the Pele of gaming to do it for a a cheaper price point that might work for your brand well that's a great point because i think the roi i would even be interested in the roi for puma and pale i think it probably was good but i think a lot of times the roi on stuff like that actually really isn't there for you like um i know that diff eyewear uh i know the 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 founder of diff eyewear and they paid for a, a kim kardashian post at one point and it was just trash in terms of ROI. Now it did a lot of other stuff for him, had other benefits. Uh, but like, yeah, the ROI on just paying for Kim to post was was not there, right? So typically, when you take a big swing on a big thing, and it, it like is the ROI of a Super Bowl ad really going to be there for you? You know, like I don't know. Um, now that the Vitalian sensor thing is, you know, didn't cost money, but it cost something else, right? So you got to decide if the ROI of that is there for you. That's a good point. Yeah, take all those things into consideration. I'm going to stick to my, uh, just don't do it all impromptu. Hey, I got a great idea. Let's go. I don't know in this field. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Wait, wait he... these things out. Do it, do it in a, in a like sharpshooter mentality type of way. Like yeah. find that right opportunity and go for it. Yeah. Go for it. If you have the idea when you're not sober, maybe like have a period of soberness before you execute it. So you can just be sure that it's a good idea. You know what I'm saying? 
solid advice great advice this, that, that could have been not on a like an e-commerce podcast business podcast so that could <laughs> that's just, just be, life that could exist on any podcast advice to anybody about any circumstance at all yeah uh, totally agree john what is your last growth hack you have here so the last growth hack is uh, free giveaways, right? So some various forms of free giveaways. So one that gets held up a lot is HubSpot. HubSpot does, I mean, they do lots of what are called lead magnets in our industry. Um, so lead magnet is, is some kind of digital download, usually, you know, like a PDF or an ebook or a video series, uh, yeah, usually info that, type of stuff. Yep. Yeah, that has some information that people want, you know, and, and people exchange an email address for it or, you know, sometimes more than an email address, uh, email address, company information, that kind of thing. Right. So th that's not uh, that is not a growth hack at all. Right. Like that's a core marketing strategy. But just generally the idea of giving away free stuff. HubSpot does those. They also do like these tools. They have a uh, they 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 attribute like 15,000 new users and some odd million number of revenue dollars to their website grader tool which like grades how well optimized your website is um another version is digital marketer they do the same thing with lead magnets um some form of free giveaway right so this could be you know we're giving a big thing away for free like we do this right we're giving away nfl tickets you know enter your info enter your email you know for a chance to win those nfl tickets um we're giving away you know a lead magnet uh Facebook ads guide, whatever it is. Uh, thoughts on this as a growth hack and, and specifically, okay, yeah, that's all. Thoughts on this as a growth hack. I'll just let you go with that. Probably the most versatile hack you've talked about today. Yeah. I think this could, you could file a ton of things under just giveaway stuff, um, whether it's to get information like in a lead magnet form or to yeah. do a little bit more. Um, and there's always something that can be given away at least I can't think of any situation where you couldn't give away something to somebody and that in theory, at least help your business. Uh, there's usually going to be somebody you could target and give them some value just straight up ahead of time and kind of anticipate or expect or hope <laughs> that you get some value in return from that. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's kind of similar to some other ones. You got to be creative about how you use this because it's kind of like broad right now as we're talking about it. But if you can dial it in, be niche specific this is very valuable. And I would say probably pound for pound, the most valuable growth hack you've talked to, to coincidentally, you say you saved it for last. If I, if I'm calling it, if I'm applying it to like all business everywhere, I would not even call it a growth hack, right? Like some kind of value in exchange for contact information. Okay. Uh, I would say is like a very core business strategy that takes very many forms. Let, I, I realized how to clarify my question to you after I asked it. Um, Talk to me about this specifically in e-commerce because I think of all of the business models out there, people who sell physical products online do this strategy of giving something away for free or giving away free value for contact information way less than any other kind of business. Why? Is it not Why? a valid strategy for them? Um, I think it, could, it can definitely be a valid strategy for them. Uh, I think it's just one of those things where you need to be very conscious of what you're doing and you might need to, you know, it'll take a full funnel approach for sure. Yeah. This is not, my watch is talking to me. Sorry. Did you hear that? Okay. Um, yeah. She wants to know if there's anything else she can do for you. And there's nothing. It's just, there's nothing at all. 
just shut she up. could shut up. That's what she Get could do. Get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I okay. I, I just mean to say that you definitely have to have a full funnel approach. You have to have a mind for the full funnel because this is not this isn't a growth hack in and of itself because you can give away free stuff all day long. That does not equal anything. You have to have a way to have that that feeling of the 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 rule of reciprocity. You have to have some kind of like net to catch that reciprocity. You have to have a good offer followed yeah. up by this. You know. This is a good first step. It's a good first impression you make with people. But a first impression does not lead you in the dating world. It doesn't lead you to marriage. right? There are many impressions you have to make along the way before you were married. And if marriage is the ultimate goal or a sale or, or lots of sales in the lifetime of a customer is your goal, first impression doesn't get it done. You, you have to follow up and you have to kind of keep that same tone and, and keep that that relationship going and let them know there's good stuff for them in the future too if they yeah. stick with your brand. Typically I do, I will say, I do believe in like generating leads for e-commerce. Um, sure. But I think the main reason that e-commerce brands don't do any form of like free value uh, upfront type of offerings is because of the unit economics. Uh, yeah. Because it comes down to how you're getting traffic. Now, if you're getting a bunch of traffic organically, then, you know, maybe it would be worth it for you. Uh, mm -hmm. But if you're getting if a lot of your traffic is paid, a lot of times like you just need a quicker cash conversion cycle right. than what Especially you're going to get. Especially if you're get. bootstrapped, right? Like exactly, like you're going to you just need a quicker cash conversion cycle than what you're going to get. You know, when you're offering, you know, if I if I sell workout equipment or athleisure wear or something like that, you know, if I have a, a PDF like you know 15 minute glutes or whatever, 15 minute abs, that's the most common one. Uh, the the like jump from 15 minute abs to like buy our athleisure is like there's going to be multiple steps there and <clears throat> there's this whole process of does this free value up front fit who actually will buy my athleisure and i think that is another thing that people in e-commerce struggle with compared to other business models is like who is this who really is this the market for this i think a lot of times you know if it's hubspot or if it's digital market or whatever they they get who their marketer they get who their market is way better so their hit rate on like i'm going to make some kind of free prize or free value for them up front is better because they know like anyone who downloads this is or anyone who who wants this is is at least close to where our market is. You know, when we're giving away NFL game tickets for a sports podcast, we know it's like, yeah, I mean, look, anybody might want to go to an NFL game, but if you don't care about the NFL at all, then you don't want to go. So uh, it, we know it's relevant. Whereas I think a lot of e-commerce people, they don't really know like who does want to buy our t-shirt. What is the use case? Do they actually have any commonalities between them that would make it so that I could come up with something to give away for free that would be really relevant. Um, so I think that's, those are really the two reasons is unit economics and, and uh, broad markets. Physical products have broad markets, large total addressable markets, which make it harder to make something specific that they could give away for free. So it's a valid strategy, but if you're not doing it as an e-commerce brand, like, you know, don't, don't run home and do it if it, if it doesn't make sense for you, but definitely consider it, right? It's something that uh, works really well for e-commerce brands when you get it right. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, and I know you don't want to accuse like the whole e-commerce marketing world of like, yeah. we're trying to skip all those other steps and go straight. If it doesn't go straight to sale, like we're not interested. Right. Um, so yeah, like giving away free stuff is not the best move if you're like barely hanging in there and completely bootstrapped. But if you have, you know, a good budget to spend, like it's, and you haven't tried something like this, I mean, 
you know, allocate a reasonable amount and give it a test. And if you can, you know, uh, you know, maybe use something like wicked reports and, and make sure you have your attribution unlock and make a funnel based around yeah. some kind of like giveaway or, or right. any kind of type of way of giving something for free, use more lead magnets, something like that. If you can prove that concept, uh, it is something that scales re relatively well too. If you do crack that, yep. well, we do know the kind of, we figured out the person who is interested in this and they are very interested in it. And, it actually goes really well with what we're ultimately trying to get them to do as well. It scales really smoothly. Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I, there's I, lots I think, of the same types of people out there. Yeah. Once you find the type of person you need. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's probably four five, six use cases for your product that you can use a different front end for and, and attract exactly those kind of people who will use it for that. Uh, but it's, you know, it is tricky. The unit economics on it are hard. The cash conversion cycle on it is a little bit shorter. So would I call it a growth hack? No, it's actually like probably for most e-commerce businesses, something they have to really, really optimize over time. And my general idea, I were to give sort of a TLDR of this episode, I'm going to give a parting shot here. Um, my general thought process on growth hacks is you can build a really great, really big, really strong business without them at all. But a lot of times the, the thing that breaks you through as I had an idea and now I have a business is some kind of, you know, big lever, right? There's some big growth lever at some point that breaks you through. A lot of times it's like we had one ad and it just popped off and we got a bunch of customers and now we're a real business. It's a life-changing ad. Um, you know, as much as I hate to be stereotypical, only one funnel away or ad away, right? Like sometimes it is that there's some big thing that like that really worked. We got a lot of traction with that. Um, I think the main thing with growth hacks is that's fine. Uh, but one, don't build your strategy around finding one, like just build your strategy and one should happen. And two, don't build some kind of growth model on that. Understand that that's a hack. And by definition, it will work for a period of time and then it won't work as well anymore. So you have to come up with like a true way of building a business, even when that hack doesn't exist. Love it, John. You never fail to amaze me. You know what? I usually do these things, but you open the show. So I'm going to pass it on to you to close out the show. John, say the YouTube thing. <laughs> If you are watching us on YouTube, please remember to like the video, comment below, let us know what growth hacks you have worked for you in your business or what growth hacks uh, haven't worked for you in your business. Um, and also subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon so that whenever we make videos, you will be notified. Um, hopefully these videos are valuable to you and you want to be notified. Uh, if you are listening to us on an audio channel, Spotify, podcast app, anything like that, please rate the show. Give us five stars or I don't know, give us one star if we're only worth one star, but hopefully we're worth five stars if you're still listening right now. Uh, rate the show and review us. Uh, let us know what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, all of that stuff. Rate and review on the audio apps. As always, thanks for listening and we will see you next time.